there is a thing that I I say often to myself. Mind your business and do what you came to do. And what I mean by that in this situation is we can have a lot to say about what we think other people's relational repair should look like. But if it's not our relationship, we can just mind our business and tend to repairing the relationships we have that are not in order, where we have we have either been harmed or or perpetrated harm. How are we tending to our own relationships that are in disrepair before we come for somebody else's relationship and what they should or shouldn't do and who they should or shouldn't charge? Because that's somebody else's relationship. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get maestro Three, two. Hey friends, Maestro here and welcome back to another episode of Maestro on the Mic. Today I have with me someone who maybe, just maybe, you know, if you've been paying attention at least to any of the past few podcast episodes that I've done, uh, I don't want to talk too much right now because I'm super stoked to just have them just share their brain with us but I gotta do a little bit of a my little hypery that I, that I like to do so straight off the bio and you guys know I I typically don't you folks know I typically don't read bios word for word but in this case there are some words here that are very interesting to me so I'm gonna read it all right James Olivia Chu Hillman is a relational life and leadership coach and a mediator facilitator and enthusiastic of necessary uncomfortable, there's a word, and life-changing conversations. They work with people who want more joyful connection and less suffering in their relationships with themselves, the people they love, and the world. James Olivia has a passion for asking questions that make us squirm a bit and point us back to who the fuck we are and what we care about most. Without further ado, my new friend, James Olivia Chu. Hillman. Welcome to the show, friend. Thank you. Okay, so I just squeaked a little bit when you said my new friend. I'm like, oh, we're friends. <laughs> so great. I mean, I, I have decided this. Hopefully, <laughs> I, I'm going to ask you now if you would like to be friends. I love that you're already incorporating consent. I love this. <laughs> um, yes, the answer is yes. I want that too. Then this is, this is good. We're off to a great <laughs> start. There are so many things I just, I am so stoked to have you on here. Folks, you you listening I did a workshop, attended a workshop two weeks ago. I don't even know. All the days are the same to me. Uh, the James Olivia put on and it rocked my world, knocked my socks off, just opened my eyes, was speaking my language. And I shared some of that stuff with you. And it's just remarkable to me that I get to now have the source on the podcast. So thank you for taking the time. This is awesome. I'm so happy to be here. There's, I'm already about to launch into a bunch of stuff. And so I'm going to wait and follow you. Where do you want to go first? First, you tell the people what you'd like them to know about. I know it's a big question, but your version of who are you? 
Oh, God, I didn't know that was going to be one of the questions. Um, (laughs) Okay, okay. I know where to take this for now. On my own, nobody. Um, I think we are who we are. Well, okay, I don't want to say nobody. We have a self, and also we are who we are in relationship with others. So right now, I'm just somebody talking, having a conversation with you. That's that's what I'm doing right now. That's who I am right now. And can I interject? Yes, please. What brought you to this understanding of how you navigate the world? You're always this way, always looking at things this way. If I was to ask you this question, if I were to ask you that same question 10 years ago, 15 years ago, would you have that same response? Probably not. I There are elements that I would say have not changed one single bit. Like since I was mm-hmm. a little kid, I think I have always been inquisitive human. There it is. Always. Um So I've always asked the questions that make people squirm a little bit. But have I always been obsessed with right relationship? No. I think if I had been a bit more attentive to right relationship sooner, my life would have a completely different path. I would not be – I probably wouldn't talk about it so much. I would just have been being about it my whole life. And I think having to learn about it the hard way, now I get to talk about it all the time because I had to learn about it. That so. is, I'm, I'm, you, anyone listening, I'm going to be, you're going to hear this noise a lot this episode <laughs> because I'm writing stuff down. I think it's a little less obnoxious than the typing, the clicking. But that's a remarkable statement already that learning about it versus being about it and now talking about it because you've learned about it as opposed to just having experienced it and been about it for so long that's can i have you go down the path of right like i have a huge list here but can i have gone the path of right relationships since you said it yes um please it is it is one of my favorite things to talk about and explore i'm guessing that you're asking me what i mean when i say it because that's what everybody wants to know like what does that even mean and that and it's very off-putting because people don't like the idea of but people don't want to hear the word right. It's like, what mm-hmm. happened to the binaries that you're trying to dismantle? What is this right relationship thing? So I don't have that right in right relationship is a binary of right and wrong. Like you're either in right relationship or you're in wrong relationship and you're either doing it well or you're bad at it and you're a terrible person. Um, what I have is that we are in relationship, period. We are in relationship. Like there's no there's no time or or place in our lives where we are not in relationship mm-hmm. with ourselves and other people and the world and you know what we're learning and what we do and our bodies and spirit and you know all non human beings. Like we are in relationship, no matter what. We do not exist in a vacuum. So, what I have around right is is there room for us in this relationship and is it just and sustainable? And, and if not, how can we move toward that? So it's not like, oh, is this right relationship? No, then let's throw it away. But mm-hmm. is this right relationship? Not quite. So let's make some adjustments. And how do, we, how do we turn this toward a more just and sustainable relationship and situation? 
Can you speak more about sustainable? Yes, I am still learning about both justice and sustainability. Um, I don't know that there's a a static. There's not a static state of relationship. Like and we talked about this mm -hmm. in the workshop. Our relationships are always changing, and we're changing, and other people are changing, and the world is changing. And so sustainability is going to look different from relationship to relationship, from person to person, from moment to moment. So like right now, we are having this conversation um, and it's great and amazing and wonderful for me and being, you know, leaning toward the introverted side as I do. Were I to put myself in situations like this where I, you know, did four podcasts a day and had to have mm -hmm. like high energy conversations, it wouldn't actually be sustainable for me. So mm -hmm. as this relationship exists right now, very, very sustainable if it weren't going to say end in an hour and I got to eat ice cream with my partner and like just chill out for a couple hours. No, it would not be. So um, okay. what I like that you that you like the transient nature of things. That's yeah. And it's scary for some people. Okay, you know, you also, you have a lot of fitness and, like, personal and, um, like, physical trainer clients. Yeah. Is that your Is that your people? Movement. I call them all movement professionals. Oh. They're doing something, or movement enthusiasts as well. They're just somewhere in the movement space. Okay, so then they probably know that, you know, a a movement protocol that's great for, you know, Yes. Peak performance isn't great for recovery. Like the yes. same types of movements aren't sustainable for one one type of relationship that they want with their body's performance versus another. So that's what I mean. That's by perfect. I love it. I love that. I, I, I love that. One of the things that I... So I'm looking at my notes as well from the amazing workshop and a bunch of things that I circled. And I'm saying I'm very much staying on the same topic of, of relate. You said, I want to relate with you and I thought that was really profound and I just wrote it down and put it in quotes we usually say relate to you I know you're, you're careful I'm, I'm learning that you're careful with your word choice as such uh was that deliberate this relate with you that is very deliberate and I and I don't know I don't always know that that's possible mm -hmm. um I I know that a lot of times when we say we want to relate to someone, what we really mean is we want to resonate with them. Like, mm -hmm. uh, oh, you you were telling me about your childhood experience and I related to it. And mm -hmm. we're not really relating to it or resonating <laughs> with it. Yeah. Um, and so when I say I want to relate with you, the things that I'm going after are actually some, there's mutuality there. I want to go after understanding you. I want you to go after understanding me. Like, I want to be understood. I want to understand you. Um, I want to hold you in positive regard. I would like the same thing in return. I want to show up congruent. I want you to show up authentically and congruent. Um, like, I want us both to have our own experience in the conversation. So when I say relate with, what I'm really hoping for is the best possible case scenario where we both get to show up as ourselves and and begin to know each other. I love that. This is so good. In keeping with that, because some of the few, some of the words that you just said, 
congruent in own experience. What pops into my head again from the from the relationship from the workshop was the, your definition of empathy and empathic listening. I thought this was phenomenal. Could you share with us? And I, I, I told you from the beginning, I told you guys listening from the beginning, I'm going to be saying a lot of, could you just expand on this? What are your <laughs> thoughts on this? Because I just want to hear them. So it's totally, obviously, okay. you would be like, that is just it. Um, but I would love if you would like to expand on empathy and empathic listening. Because I think that as it's portrayed, especially in my space and in, in Remember MySpace? But it's, it's, especially as it's portrayed in the current, you know, my fitness space and, and movement world, um, it I don't think that it's used this way. I don't think in a lot of spaces it's used the way yeah. that I have learned it in the last year or two. And first, I just want to put it out there that I cannot take credit for these definitions. These these definitions around the skills that I'm talking about, like congruence and unconditional positive regard and empathy and empathic listening, these don't come from me. These were taught to me by Andrea Renee Johnson, who learned them from Jen McCabe, who learned them from Ernie Meadows, who developed these four skills. So I'm like one, two, three. I'm like fourth generation of knowing these things so they definitely didn't originate with me and so um anything that i get right as i convey them to you and your folks uh is not my own and anything that i kind of am fumbling or still learning that's that's mine i'll claim that one um i I like so i'll start with empathic listening only because i think Often what we're trying to do with listening, like deep listening, oh, I'm going to listen really hard, I'm going to listen really well, is we're we're gathering information. Like you're going to tell me about your day and and if I'm listening really well, I will have captured the details that you gave me. I will, I will know your day inside and out. Um, anybody else can ask me about your day and I can give them all the facts. And with empathic listening, it's not just listening for what you're saying, but it's listening to understand you as you want to be understood. That last part. That is huge to me. That mm-hmm. last part of as you want to be understood. I think that as it's been experienced in my world, it, the, the traditional sense of empathy and empathic listening environment or people saying that they're empaths uh, that last part oftentimes gets dropped it's like i'm listening and then interpreting and it's like as i think you want to be understood and i know that i can feel it because i'm an empath as opposed to just specifically going into this with under this understanding of as that person wants to be understood and, and making that uh you know a, a big point to be focus on I, I just that resonated with me so so much in that conversation like yeah. wow it is this is absolutely uh you said something there before the list of names and uh your fourth generation heritage there uh <laughs> skills you you've named these things skills that's really interesting to me yeah uh and i'm not sure people would say that why do you consider them skills because they can be learned and practiced um, 
So we'll get into it. Let's get into it more with empathy because I think that's the one where everybody's like, oh, I, you either have empathy or you don't have empathy. Mm-hmm. Like that person is completely lacking in empathy. That's like saying that person is completely lacking in cooking. Like <laughs> you might not have the knack for it. You might not have like the taste and the the zhuzh or whatever it is that you have around a, you know, an I call cooking an art, but like a way of, cooking is also a way of relating, but you might not have the thing, the magic around the way of relating, but cooking is still a skill. Like you can still learn to fry an egg. You can still learn to make a grilled cheese sandwich. You can like, you, you can learn how to make rice outside of a rice cooker if you have to, God forbid. Um, I say that laughing because we make rice on the stove in my house (laughs) and I'm Chinese, so... (laughs) Um, it's, I'm sure everyone in my family is cringing. So, um, but, but empathy is an actual skill. It's not just a, a thing that we have. And, and we very, very commonly mistake sympathy for empathy. Mm. Like, oh, I'm feeling with and sympathy. Mm -hmm. The, the root of this word is feeling alike. Like you're feeling same, same. Mm-hmm. And empathy as a skill isn't feeling somebody else's big feelings. It's this skill, the definition of this, as it was taught to me through this lineage of the skills for relating to difference as, as Jen teaches them, is following the other as they lead you through their experience. And it doesn't mean being swallowed emotionally by their experience or entering into their emotional realm and taking on what's happening inside them. It's following them as they lead, as they lead us through what's happening for them and and putting ourselves aside, not disappearing into a void. Like we don't disappear into their experience or disappear outside of their experience. We're still there, but we're just following along as they feel and as they grow and as they have their experience. This is so directly applicable to my people. Um, You know, if we think about specifically physical therapy and treating, I have a question coming out of this. This is what we need to be doing when we're, you know, gathering information during that subjective history portion. We're talking to that person and they're telling you about their pain. Like, it's not about solving it and taking it away and taking it on. Uh, just listening there. How do you recommend? And I'm going to, you know, I had Nick on last week, and I love their, uh, their bio of like that they don't offer protocols, just thoughts and, and you know, suggestions and such. So mm-hmm. I'm not asking for a protocol mm-hmm. here by any means, and never asking for that. Um, how do you personally create maybe, I don't know if the word is separation, but when you're listening to someone, if I think put myself into like thinking back to the, the treatment sessions that I would do, sometimes you just, you're listening and you take that on. Mm-hmm. And how do you create that? I don't, I don't even know what is a safe space for you, the, the separation so that you're able to go and follow them on their journey as and listen and understand as they want to be understood but you don't actually also take that on. This is going to be 
Am I allowed to swear? You said anything's okay. Yeah, yeah this, whatever you want. It's kind of a fucked up answer. And it's also just what it is. Do you want to? I mean, one of the mm. questions is, do you want to take it on or not? And if you want to, then it doesn't matter. I mean, you can have the skill of empathy. You can have the skill of empathic listening. And you don't have to use it, just like you don't have to use every tool in your physiotherapy toolbox mm -hmm. just because someone you know, may or may not benefit from it. What do you want? So there are times when I don't use these skills at all. Like if someone is, you know, a, a dear friend loses someone close to them and they or close to us, we lose someone close to us. And I want to feel that thing with them and just mm -hmm. sob together. I don't need to practice the skill of empathy. I might actually want to sympathize. I might want to feel alike and and get swallowed up in that grief together. Um, that makes sense. I might, I might want to, I do this with Nick all the time. Like Nick has something to celebrate in their business. I collude. I'm like, woohoo. I'm, you know, <laughs> screaming, jumping up and down, sending like all kinds of celebratory emoji texts. Um, I'm not just following Nick through their experience of celebration. I'm celebrating with them. And so I'm, so when I want to separate, when I want to have that boundary of, okay, this is your experience. This is my experience, and it serves me and possibly you for me to not get swallowed up in your experience. Then I might want to use that skill of empathy. I love that. You, that first sentence, do you? I, I love that. Do you want to? Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> that doesn't sound fucked up to me at all. I'm like, that is phenomenal. Done. Do you want to? Done. Noted. I love that. I love that. Speaking of cursing, mm -hmm. I love that you have that in your bio. <laughs> you talk about fuckery. I do. What is that? It is, oh, I totally have a definition for this. I'm really excited you <laughs> asked me that. Um, fucker, relational fuckery is the strategies that we try on each other or ourselves when we are trying to manage or win our relationships instead of cultivate them manage or win what does it mean to win a relationship um like when we want to be right mm. or mm -hmm. or we want to prove that we're good or mm. um mostly when we want to be right or we want to be Got superior it. it's supremacy shit like it's it is yes. supremacy culture in action it's like how do i how do i be better yeah how do i be are superior? you really done with the supremacy so i looked at your posts and you did a post i don't know yesterday two days ago i don't know a few days ago mm -hmm. everything every day is the same to me um in a good way <laughs> and you were like this concludes and i was like wait a minute what is it concluded no or what? i mean yes yes and no okay i'll i'll give you a more specific answer so every i'm gonna say six to nine months or so I will specifically go through all of the fuckeries that that we tend to associate with supremacy culture okay. and also their corresponding like antidotes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of, of relational joy practices that we can be doing instead of our fuckeries or, you know, at least mitigating some of our fuckeries with them. Um, so, yeah, every once in a while, periodically, and especially I just I had just gotten like 
what in my oh sorry I just tapped my mic and I hope no, that you're good an issue um I had just gotten sort of a an influx of new followers and I was like okay the time is right to mm. re to reuse this content and share it again because this is this is important and so I'll probably mm. do it again at the end of the year or at the beginning of next year okay. uh, but I'm always talking about supremacy culture and relational fuckery so it's not like it's going away it's just it's just here, have it all at one time, see it all together. And it's sort of unfolded into, oh, and also since this seems to be pretty popular, why don't we also do a workshop about it? And, and actually I get to have conversations instead of just posting content. I like to have conversations with people in the room talking about the thing that I am sharing. So that's what uh, that was. Yeah, okay. I, I am understanding. I was like, wait a minute, what? What's happening here? What's going on? <laughs> you folks listening, if you haven't already, first off, James Olivia's uh, Instagram handle is inquisitive underscore human. If you haven't already checked it out because of a past episode or because you already know them, please go check it out. If you're driving right now, don't do that. Check it out later. Uh, but I love the the presentation format, and I love that you that word use that word antidote. Uh, just aesthetically, it's very nice, very easy to understand, very easy to see with like the word or phrase and then the definition underneath it, the dope caption and just an explanation. And you, when you see it, you're gonna be like, oh, this just smacked me in the face. And I kind of <laughs> liked it. So it was just so good. I was like, oh, then you're like, it's done. And I was like, wait a minute, what? I'm, <laughs> now I understand. Okay. And I feel better. That was a selfish question, but now I understand and, and feel better with that. So the fuckery, is this something that's been like a is this part of your journey, learning about this? Like, where did this come from? Oh, my life, of course. Um, oh, oh. Yeah, like, <laughs> what haven't I done in my relationships that is not fuckery? Um, so a few years ago, I was introduced to Tema Oaken's article, White Supremacy Culture, mm -hmm. yeah. and the way it shows up in, in organizations. And I wish when I was working in corporate, you know, in in my other lifetime, I wish that I had had exposure to that article and understanding what was so just fucked up about corporate culture and organizational mm -hmm. culture in general. And all of these things that, that she's talking about in this article about white supremacy culture, like perfectionism and urgency and you know this perceived right to comfort and this myth of objectivity and like paternalism and only one right way to do things and this, you know, binary either or thinking. And we can go on and on. She lists like 15 of them. Um, when I was introduced to that, I was already coaching people in relationships. And I was like, holy shit, this isn't just organizations. This is how we show up for each other mm. at home and with our kids and with our best friend and with our parents and with our neighbors and in our communities and so this is supremacy culture has really has impacted the way we've learned to show up in our personal lives. And I've done all these things. So <laughs> can I ask a question? You can ask me anything. So when when racism decided to be a hot topic in social media uh -huh. right, in the past whatever two months or whatever it's been uh i'm doing my research and googling things and i came across that um that it was but it was kind of like an excerpt from 
the, the paper and mm-hmm. I struggled with it, not because I didn't believe it. I was like, yes, I see these things. I do these things. I, I see it. Um, but I struggled with understanding, and this is me looking for things, like the origins of it. Like I didn't mm-hmm. understand how it wasn't just like how they were able to ascribe these things. Like this definitely started from white supremacy. Like when did it start? How did it start? Like I missed the connection there i was like yes these things exist i see them i understand them but like putting the onus on that i struggled with Mm -hmm. do you have like resources i can go and read and put these things together better um you mean specifically how these behaviors attach themselves to white supremacy culture or i guess i'm trying to think of exactly how to phrase it like how do we how is it it almost seems like white supremacy culture is the perpetrator. And I, my question is like, how do we know that? How is it? Why is it not just like supremacy in general? Like, where is it? The, I think I struggle with the word white in front of it. I do. Like too. I could. Oh, OK. So, yeah. So if you if you go back to the workshop and look, white isn't in there, even though we're using an article called white supremacy culture, because mm-hmm. ultimately what mm-hmm. we're looking at is cultures of contempt and domination and supremacy, no matter what they are. And we happen to be in the United States where race is decidedly a factor. And Mm -hmm. all of these things exist in cultures where supremacy impacts relationship, whether that's through patriarchy or classism or ableism or like we we have all of that in the United States. But no matter... And, and white supremacy exists all over the world, so I don't want to diminish that either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but supremacy can show up. Two people can have the very same set of identities or two groups can have the same sets of identities, and it doesn't... I would almost say, and I'm not a sociologist, so somebody's going to like come and correct me. Please come and correct me. Um, but... White supremacy in the United States was born out of capitalism. Mm-hmm. So one could mm-hmm. argue that capitalism um, is actually, I think Alexis Morgan said this, capitalism is ground zero for all of the oppressive systems. Okay. All right, um, so so I don't know the answer to your question, I, but... You just answered it and I fell in love with you and <laughs> thank you. Uh, that's right there. Okay, that thanks. Is, that is, that, that is, that's it. Okay. Uh, this is 100% it. You know, I think back to some of the episodes I did early on with this and the things I was reading and trying to understand uh, and looking at, you know, I, I, yes, I centered myself and my own experience. And w- me being me was like, let me try and figure out the like root of things. And for me, I kept coming, and this is largely why I signed up for your workshop. I kept coming back to this idea of power. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it just seems central to all these conflicts, all these things that, that are happening. And then you just go and you give me this this amazing workshop and this amazing uh, explanation there. And my question has been answered, but I have more. Okay. I have more. <laughs> uh, in terms, I'm trying to think, which one do I want to ask first? I'll keep it in, in line with the things you already, that you've already said. Um, one of the things that you said during the workshop, you said just now that still to stand out to me is this right to comfort. Mm, yeah. That that I don't even think I had ever 
said or heard that phrase before whether it was like people have this or don't have this like right and I didn't I don't think I ever put them together could you speak on that please I love to talk about that one of my favorite illustrations of right to comfort and when I when I talk about right to comfort, I don't just mean the person who thinks they have the right to comfort. It's the way that we've in, we've all internalized a culture of centering a person or group of people who who we all participate in their comfort. So say you're on a, mm-hmm. you know, a crowded subway car, which doesn't happen now, I don't think. But <laughs> uh, so you're like on a crowded bus or a crowded subway and Let's just go go binary with gender for a split second, mm-hmm. and I apologize in advance. Um, but the way that men manspread yes. and women make themselves physically very tiny to accommodate and take up as little space as possible, we're really seeing like a, the physical manifestation of right to comfort. Mm-hmm. Should I go on? Yes, please. Okay. I'm, I'm, I got my pen here. I'm listening. <laughs> please do. Um, we see this in families where there, say there's a, a tyrant in a family and everyone tiptoes around them, does not want to upset them, doesn't want to you know, cause some sort of you know, drama or upheaval or some sort of you know, outburst of abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like when you said power, when you were talked about getting to the root mm-hmm, of it mm-hmm. being power so much of this is about how i don't want to say power or powerlessness it's how we all use our power in order to navigate mm-hmm. the families and the systems and the relationships and the communities that we live in mm-hmm. like how are we in relationship with our own power and how we perceive other people's power mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. right to comfort is very much a, about how we use our own power to either diminish ourselves or diminish our own right to comfort to um, to nurture or take care of somebody else's right to comfort that we believe has more power than we do or ha- they might actually have more social power than we do. Um, the way that we're that we feel perfectly entitled to speak to one person that we know in a way that we would never speak to another person mm-hmm. we know. Say we we would never speak to like in my family, nobody would ever speak to an elder the way they would speak to a child. Mm-hmm. Because elders have this this right to comfort. Mm-hmm. So as a concept, is this one of those concepts that has an antidote? Is this one of those concepts that we take a step back and understand that it exists and we look at it and are aware of it? Where do we go with that, this idea of right to comfort? I'm going to I'm going to say that all of these things have multiple antidotes just the way that they're all deeply related to each other the mm-hmm. antidotes are also deeply related to each other so one of the antidotes to right to comfort is truth telling like telling the truth about what we're experiencing telling the truth about what's what's real for us what what's happening inside us what we feel what we want because a lot of the time when we're trying to keep someone else comfortable, we're hiding the truth about ourselves in our relationships. 
Like, mm. oh, I didn't want mm. this person to feel bad, so I didn't tell them I wasn't going to go to their party. <laughs> like, I mean, that's pretty <laughs> basic, but but that's an example yeah. of like, I my my friend has a right to comfort, or I have a right to comfort because I don't want confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm I'm going to withhold the truth so that we can all uh, avoid conflict, which yeah. is another supremacy right. tenet too. Exactly. As you're saying this, I'm like all these words are coming up that are all intertwined. Is there a central something there? Contempt. There it is. I have it written down. (laughs) I was going to ask you about it. You knew the answer. (laughs) I was like, it's going to come up at some point. We got to talk about it. Yes, please. Three, two, one, go. Whatever you want to say. Oh, wow. (laughs) No. (laughs) We enact it in so many ways. Um, so what I have from from my teacher, Jen McCabe, and Andrea Renee Johnson is the way that contempt manifests typically is I know better, I see better, I do better, I am better than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, what I have around that is the difference that I have is not okay or the difference that you have is not okay. Like Mm -hmm. this is, I cannot regard the difference with, with warmth and positivity. Like I have to diminish it, destroy it, um, erase it, disregard it in some way. Oh my goodness. I'm writing down so fast. I have so many feels that just came up because of that. Because of the definition, like, I know that you, you, you're a self-proclaimed word nerd, and I love you for that <laughs> because it, it allows me to explain. I'm like, yes, that is, that is exactly. I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and you know, these are times when we're having you know, quote-unquote difficult conversations, and all that I could say to this person was like, it makes me sad that you are saying these things. They weren't saying anything mean to me, mm-hmm. but this them having these, these views about, and I was just like, you know, you do the thing like, I know you're not a bad person because there's a spectrum here. But the fact that you can harbor this this contempt for another group of people makes me so sad. And if we're talking about the trans population mm. and that person was just like, which I, I love having that discussion because, you know, we're seeing stuff where people are like, I'm not racist and like, it's, I don't care. But then as soon as like trans comes in, yeah, then suddenly people are like, but... And you're like, wait, what? Like, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's exactly, you just nailed it there. The, the difference is not okay. Yeah. That's, that's, oh. Uh, that is. They're so, this is so rich um, because it's so deeply human. Like, it's so human of us to really be deeply attached to our identities and so people who are deeply attached to their their cis binary identity cannot abide um you know a difference that they're not okay with because because that thing might threaten their identity just like you know with with racial bigotry or um mm-hmm. you know fat phobia or anything else that we can talk about it's like i i don't 
I don't have the capacity or the skill or whatever it is I need to to embrace the full spectrum of what is possibly me. And so I cannot handle it in you either. I'll, I, I just like my knee-jerk reaction is to say, why? Why not? I think we get really attached to our ideas about ourselves because our ideas about ourselves are what have protected us and kept us certain and kept us safe because, because they have enabled our survival to some extent, our social survival. Um, I think when I say it's very human of us, it's, I don't think that we would be like this if we were emotionally safe to, to fully accept the full spectrum of our humanity. Can you explain that? Yeah. Um, like we know that gender is a construct. Most of us, a lot of us. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, I just okay. made a huge assumption about your audience. Um, okay, so we all know that, right? Shh. Gender, <laughs> gender is a construct. Um, we all know that race is a construct. Like, okay, we don't all know that. I keep saying we you all know, know this. That's, we that's, really, this is really thing, don't. And it's blowing my mind. Um, it's blowing my mind, James. I'm, I'm sitting here reading, learning, and, and being having my mind blown and. Not trying to have contempt for others, but just mm -hmm. being like, how is 2020? And you haven't taken a step outside of yourself mm -hmm. to, th to, to think that, yeah, other, other people live differently. And I respect that. And I, I value that. Like, it's, it's frustrating. Like, wh what? Let's take the example of, say toxic masculinity mm -hmm. and you know in the united states since the industrial revolution um masculinity has become masculinity and femininity have become more and more binary more and more separate mm -hmm. and masculinity is more and more associated with you know um not having I'm going to paint with a really broad stroke here and I'm going to reduce it and oversimplify it to invulnerability. Mm -hmm. So invulnerability mm -hmm. means masculine in, in toxic patriarchal, you know, mm -hmm. the way that we are understanding these, these things and femininity is vulnerability. Mm -hmm. um, now imagine you have this, this manly man who has very, very strong, strict ideas, who's been rewarded for not being vulnerable, who's been um, punished by all of the men who have raised him anytime he shows emotion or sensitivity. And he finds himself in a, in a state in his life where he is feeling emotions. He's feeling big feelings. Um, and and nothing about that difference that he has with his own upbringing is okay with him. He may look at anybody who falls outside this binary construct of, you know, male equals invulnerability and be and reject it and be very very phobic of this thing 
that is not okay with him. And it's, it's human. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to defend it, but if we're asking where it came from, we teach it. We teach it to each other. We learn what we live. So we come by all of this honestly. We talked about the cycle of socialization. Mm -hmm. We come by all of this honestly because we live it. We live in these systems that teach us that difference is not okay. And so if we're wondering, like, how can people be so closed-minded, look around. Like, they have come by it very, very honestly. We have come by it very honestly. Um, something I've been... I was thinking about during the webinar, the webinar, the workshop, and with these conversations that I've been having with this particular person, uh, there seems to be, to me, like, you know, there's gradations, there's levels within this hierarchy, and it's very, it continues to be difficult for me to understand when those who are not at the top of the hierarchy don't understand or fail to see the, or fail to see the similarities between them and people who may still be, you know, below them on the hierarchy. And I say this because the the, the person I've been having a conversation with, the white cis female, mm-hmm. one of my one of my good friends, and I struggle with it because I'm just like, you are an oppressed population. Like, yes, you you are, you know, in the hierarchy above other people, but like this is not like oh if, if someone was like come back as the most powerful best thing it probably wouldn't be a woman, white woman <laughs> like you know but the failure then to see like okay this oppression that i'm experiencing in whatever way is the same as what i'm doing to the trans population like it's just so i don't know do you find james olivia that perhaps those populations who are the most systemically and widely oppressed are the best at, I almost want to say empathy as a traditional like definition, because they've had to use those skills in order to survive thus far. And they're the they're best at, you know, I even struggle to say the word best, but they are, it's, they're, you know, more skilled at, uh, seeing the plight of others? I think there's definitely a, obviously much more practice there for sure. Um, we're getting into some really, really wild territory because, you know, four years ago, we're looking at, you know, when we're talking about cis white women, 53% of them voted ostensibly against their own interests. Yeah. Um, and, and, Oh wow! I there are teachers who can explain this so much better than I can, um, and I'm happy to share their, their names and contact info. Um, I'm super grateful for you doing any of explaining in any way. This is this is new. This is new territory for this podcast. I mean, I bring people on. We have really deep conversations and such, but uh, this is new. So I'm grateful for anything you share with us in any way. Yeah. So I'm trying to link this back into like what this would look like in, say, physiotherapy terms. Um, We internalize oppression and, of course, want to distance ourselves from 
because who wants to be oppressed? Like nobody wants, mm-hmm. <laughs> who wants to be like, I'm, hey, I'm kind of oppressed. Like it's great. Um, I think, you know, the more we experience it, the easier it may or may not be to be like, yeah, that that's that's real for me. Um, yeah. But when you're writing that, that cusp of whiteness, which is, you know, in the supremacy hierarchy, what's going to be better than that? Mm-hmm. And and womanness, um, you're. It's <laughs> it's wild that it's like specifically fifty three percent. It wasn't like seventy five percent or twenty percent. It was like yeah. pretty much half and half. Half the yeah. half the people are like, no, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna side with whiteness. I'm gonna side with. I'm going to go with yeah. oppressor. I don't want to be oppressed. And then the other half going, no, no, we're not. We're, I'm not yeah. going to be the oppressor. No, thank you. I don't want to do that. So, um, but we internalize things. So just as I'm trying to think of like the way we internalize ableism and you see people mm-hmm. pushing yeah. through injuries because they yes. don't want to be associated with being weak or injured or disabled. So yes. it's like, no, that's not me. I'm no, no, no. That, that. <laughs> that injury was mm-hmm. so long ago. Sometimes I don't like to talk about it. You know, like that's not who I am. Um, I I think we internalize all these all these knowings of what it's better to be in these constructs and these sort of hierarchies of worthiness. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say like these bullshit hierarchies of worthiness. We internalize what we what we believe to be more yeah. beneficial for us, and we want to mm-hmm. yeah. we want to associate with that. I don't know, it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes total, total sense. I don't like it, but it's... <laughs> I don't, exactly. I don't. And I sit there and like, I'm so glad I have words from you now because I was sitting there having this conversation and I was like, this is fuckery. Like, I, it I just is. shake my fist like an old man. I was like, this is fuckery. Every these things that you're saying, then I, 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 I hear it. It makes sense. I, under, I understand in in your your opinion and you you've been in this you're learning researching watching you're seeing everything that's happening right now how are you feeling about the strides maybe i don't know that are being made do you think strides are being made in terms like how are you feeling about everything um some days i'm really optimistic and some days i just cry uh, <laughs> we're having this conversation right now in public, like you and I are having this conversation in public. And I will go so far as to say, at least on my end, it's happening in a really messy way. Like it, mm-hmm. it may or may not sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I can guarantee you, I am probably going to get corrected on half the things that have come out of my mouth in the last 45 minutes. So and that's great. I want us to be having these conversations and I want us to be fucking them up um, because making these mistakes and making them you know, in private, in public, having the conversations, telling the truth, allowing ourselves to be uncomfortable in these conversations, these are the antidotes to the relational fuckery that keeps us from intimacy. Like when we're striving for perfectionism, when we don't want to make mistakes in front of each other, not only can we not be in right relationship in our politics, but we can't be intimate at home either. We can't be we can't be in intimate, authentic relationships with our kids when we 
refuse to fail in front of them and we like pretend that we're perfect and we demand that they're perfect we so i get very very optimistic that we're even having these conversations and that they're that they're messy i like that i'm i'm here for i'm here for the conversations that make us squirm and remind us who the fuck we are (laughs) it's so much i like you said the words and i'm like "Mm." They said the words, and I don't know if I want to go and. I have, I have many ideas, and I'm being. I'm just looking at the time. Something that just stuck out, and I'm going to say it anyway. This is something that just jumped out at me from what you just said. Uh, that inability to be intimate when you have this wall up, when you're striving for perfection and such. And my my world is social media. I love it. Mm-hmm. I'm hugely introverted. It makes my life really. I like it a lot. You're so good at it. Like, I, I love it. You're, there's control there, so I go ahead and <laughs> like it. Uh, so I can turn it off. Like, oh, I'm done now. Uh, but I, it feels to me that people, they don't, they don't want this perfection, right? And we're seeing it objectively in how TikTok is booming. Yeah, I, I, you know, the platform itself is like whatever. I, I like it for making videos, um, but I think that it might be promoting some. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But it's booming, and if you ask people why they like it, and if you, I, one of the hashtags that I follow is "moms of TikTok." They're very <laughs> funny. The moms on there are very, very funny, uh, and one of the things that the, the, some of the videos I'll post about is that they compare to other platforms and they're like on you know on facebook i had to be all perfect and instagram i feel like i had to be perfect and here i could just be myself and it's so interesting like you know this is the stuff that i coach when people are asking about social media i'm like show up as yourself and like i I really don't love professional photos and such for that reason kind of creates a barrier but i love that you're saying that and it's it's just so true and we're seeing it objectively and we're seeing in numbers that this you know home quality videos and like the fact that i can see your dirty laundry in the background of that video and like you drop that thing like it's it resonates so much with people and it allows you to really create these relationships and you just like explained it right there like yeah i'm learning that's i love this is one of the things that i really really love about because I just met you last week. This is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I love your TikToks, by the way. I have gone through and I just like watch them and send them to people. <laughs> like, you got to see this. I'm dying. Um, but you, you are so adamant with your people that they cultivate relationship. That it's not about appearance. It's not about perfection. It's not about you know, the one right way to do things. It's when you say if you hate social media, don't do it. And if you want to do it, do it. Like it's that simple. It's what is authentically, we're back to the very beginning of the conversation, that question, what do you want? Like, do you want to? Yeah, that is, ah, it's just so, because can I sneak in like two questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we go. Oh, but which ones do I want? So I'm trying to figure out where I want to go with these. Uh, I got a bunch of stuff written down. But one of the things you brought up in the workshop was this concept of dehumanizing. And I want to kind of ask about this and bring this up because I am the person who reads the comments section of 
post and I probably shouldn't because it makes me really sad. Uh, but I read the comments section of certain things <laughs> and what I'm seeing is a desire from some people for punishment and for revenge. And I would yes. love if you could speak to that in any in any way. I know it's I know I'm leaving with huge broad questions, but you've answered them all amazing, so Yeah, this is this is wildly broad and I'm gonna I'm gonna start with possibly an unpopular opinion. This that seems to be my thing these days. You do not have to participate in your own punishment. You do not have to participate in your own dehumanization. Um, and that doesn't mean you're not responsible when you cause harm. So both of these things are true. And that's, oh, we're back to the, like, you and the both and and the dismantling the binary. I love this. I love that that's where we are in this conversation. More than one thing can be true at one time. And the two things that I hold true are we are responsible and we are necessary. So being necessary, we don't have to participate in our own dehumanization. And that doesn't mean that we get to just, mm -hmm. you know, tra-la-la, I'm not participating in my own punishment, so bye. Um, it's I'm... I can take responsibility and I don't want to participate in rebuilding a new world yeah. where we use the same old tools yes. of punishment and dehumanization yes. and revenge. Yes. That's, oh, yes. So how do we, yes. oh, go on. I'm sorry. Keep, keep going, please. I, I'm just at church right now. Yes. <laughs> oh, I will. How do we do repair? then and that becomes a question like i don't i'm asking a question that i don't have the answer to because every answer is going to be different based on the relationship that we're in and the person in front of us if somebody's out for revenge and they do not want repair we might be in a relationship that cannot be repaired yet i say yet because i hold out hope that this is where i worry this is where I worry, honestly. So the, the actual example of this is, um, who was it that was saying it? Um, one of the accounts that I follow, um, and I agreed, was saying how he didn't want, uh, what, what was the woman, the Central Park lady? I don't even know her name. Uh, Amy Cooper, right? He didn't, Amy Cooper. He didn't. They yeah, were both yeah, Coopers, were. yeah. He didn't want her to be charged like they're bringing charges against or for filing a false police report and he was just mm -hmm. like i don't want this and he's like hear me out because he already knew that people were going to come for him he's a black man what is what the hell is his name mm -hmm. um but he's like what was that christian Chris christopher no the guy no no, no the, uh, this was like the the uh, this is like a, a, a instagram dude uh, he like corresponds with like CNN or something like that. As oh, well. okay, okay. And he was just like uh, Mark Lamont yeah. Hill. That's who it was, Mark Lamont Hill. And he was just like, I don't, I don't mm -hmm. want charges to be brought because we can't say we want to de to defund or abolish the police. Two different things. I get it. Uh, we can't say these things and then ask for this woman to have that same punishment from 
that we're trying to get rid of that we're perpetuating that that same system that Mm -hmm. we're trying to break down and you know i'm reading the comments and everyone was just like i I, there was like maybe one or two people in there that were like either they agree or they're like you know what i didn't even think about this and i'm going to take some time because you know my my knee-jerk reaction is to be very angry and you know opposed to what you're saying but i'm going to take some time and think about this for, for so many people and I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's wrong just reading the comments and seeing from so many people that it's just like they're out for blood and I was just like I, yeah. I understand but I also wonder how do we move forward if we're using the same things that we're trying to fight against there is a thing that I I say often to myself Mind your business and do what you came to do. And what I mean by that in this situation is we can have a lot to say about what we think other people's Mm -hmm. relational repair should look like. But if it's not our relationship, we can just mind our business and tend to repairing the relationships we have that are not in order, where we we have either been harmed or or perpetrated harm? How are we tending to our own relationships that are in disrepair before we Mm -hmm. come for somebody else's relationship and what they should or shouldn't do and who they should or shouldn't charge? Because that's somebody else's relationship. Uh, It starts with me. I like it. I like it. I worry, but I like it. It's... I know for me that circles back to control and it's like what what do we actually have control over our own personal attitudes and efforts so let's focus on that i like that i like that mm-hmm. one last thing i'm gonna let you go i promise um as i think this came up <laughs> i think this actually came up maybe after the podcast with nick so we didn't get to talk about it um and they just kind of threw it out there and i was like oh um and maybe they quoted you. I don't know. Either way, I don't remember. But it came up after and I want to bring it up with you. This idea <laughs> of safety and creating a safe environment. Because I said something to them along the lines of like, I tried to do my best to create a safe environment, you know, within, within social media space and, you know, on my, my posts and such. And they were just like, well, you can't because that's very individualized. And uh, I'm going to totally like butcher their words, but something along the lines of it's it's dependent on the level to which they feel like they can, you know, control the situation. So it's going to be indiv- in, individual. I can't, I can't do that. Um, but could you just t- t- speak on that just a little bit? Because my brain forgot and I was like, oh, I, I need to ask James Olivia. Okay, so it's the same okay. answer as the last Number one, shit. which is mind your business and do what you came to do. Um, in this case, it means something slightly different how do you create safety for yourself in your own space? So like you are in a workshop with me and I, mm-hmm. I don't know how to create safety mm-hmm. for 25 different people, especially in a group where like, you know, I think there were with me and Nick, five mm-hmm. of us were BIPOC and then um, like 20 something yeah. cis white women. And and other genders. Um, and so, like, how was I going to be able to make it a safe space yeah. for yeah. anybody else? 
by making it a safe space for me, I think it probably mm-hmm. became safer for other people. But I went after what I needed. Like when I said, you know, we're going to be talking about supremacy culture and things are going to come up around whiteness and this isn't going to be mm-hmm, the space mm-hmm. to, to process mm-hmm. that. Like I asked you to bring a journal. That's a great mm-hmm. thing for your journal. Like that's not a great thing for the chat. It's not. A, oh, my goodness. I just almost knocked over a glass of water. Live recording. Um, so that's not necessarily a that wouldn't feel well, it wouldn't be unsafe yeah. for me, yeah, but yeah, I didn't yeah. want it. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, I'll say that. I didn't want that in my space. And so mm-hmm. I took care of my own wants. Um, and in doing so, I have been told that that takes mm-hmm. care of other people around me. Um, it may not have been safe for the white yeah. people. They're like, wait, what do you mean? I can't process my whiteness in here. I didn't actually get that feedback, but that may have been one of the consequences. Um so I, I'm with Nick on this. We can't know what's going to be safe for other people. But if we're trying so hard to take care of everyone else that we no longer have a safe space for our own selves, we're going to have a really hard time even making it remotely safe or possibly just... safe for anybody else. James Olivia, the, the <laughs> I live my life in terms of quotes and gifts and memes. I'm not going to lie. And all I keep thinking about <laughs> right now is... The gif of Will Smith from the episode of Fresh Prince where he's like, mind your business. Just mind your business. <laughs> yes. I, I, yes. Okay. That is, I, I, it's just, yes. Thank you. Amazing. Like, if people, not if, when people want to learn more from you and or connect with you or anything from you that you're okay with, how can they do that? Um, I'm not trying to create any kind yeah. of false scarcity here, but I love awesome. talking to people amazing. in person, not in person, like <laughs> you know, face to face, because we can't do that right now. And I live in the boonies anyway. So even if we could, <laughs> it probably wouldn't happen. Um, actually, that's not true. Yeah. If we could, I would just have a retreat. That would be fine too. But I love having small group and one-on-one conversations so people can, um, They can come to my website and sign up for my 100 conversations project. They can work with me one-on-one. They can, there may or may not be another workshop in August. Um, They can support me on Patreon and at, there's a level of support at which we have monthly live Zoom conversations. Um, So that's one way. I teach a class called Disobedient School for Humans Raised to be Good Girls and Nice Guys. Um, so that that's, that's coming in coming up in October. That looks like it's going to be filled in the next few days, but I'll teach it twice again next year. And then this is my most favorite way. Um, I have a year-long program called Regard, and I work with between five and eight people just intensively. Like we are... We are a little village for 13 months and we learn the skills, those skills for relating, like exquisitely, extraordinarily relating to one another. And then we practice those skills for a year and we do a really deep dive on what it means to be in right relationship with ourselves and everyone else. So those are the the ways. It will be in the show notes, folks, but what's the website? 
inquisitivehuman.com. Like I had said earlier, definitely check them out on uh, on the Instagrams. Uh, just so many. It's a great start. If you're feeling overwhelmed, it's a great start. Everything's laid out really, really easily. Last thing. I got one more thing for you, okay? <laughs> I keep saying that. I got one more thing for you. Okay, yes. Is there anything that you would like to leave the people with in terms of thoughts, ideas, nothing? That's fine, too. Um so many things i will start with you are precious and worthy of regard what you want matters more you is better like my world is better with more you in it even though i don't have bandwidth and capacity to talk to lots and lots of people at one time if it's not sort of this one-to-many podcast sort of situation but show up in my instagram show up in show up in each other's lives show up real more you is better. And I know that we get punished for it. That's why mm. I teach disobedience school so that we can choose what we're willing to, mm. to risk being punished for um, and what consequences we're willing to take on. But more you is better for the world. There's something that you have that only you have and we need it. And if you hide it, it's not better for me. <laughs> it's not better for anybody. So um in right relationship, there's room for you, and more you is better. That's what I have. So damn good. Friend, thank you. Truly. This is... Thank man, you. I have all these notes. This is just thank you. Thank you for the workshop. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for the space that you take up. Thank you for the space you create. Thank you. This has been really, really remarkable. Thank you. Thank you. Most it's welcome. been my pleasure. You out there listening? Thank you. I know you could have been doing anything and you chose, or most things, and you chose to listen to us and you know I am endlessly, endlessly, endlessly appreciative for that. Not going to ask for any likes or any subscriptions or anything like that. If you liked this episode, if it resonated with you, share it with somebody who you think might like it. If you loved this episode, go and check out James Olivia's stuff. The links are in the show notes. I gave you the links for Instagram. Go and do it and connect with this dope human. All right. All right. Officially gonna wrap it up. Until next time, friends, James Olivia and Maestro. Bye.